0: Hi, everyone. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 25. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for the raw contact, and president of LL Research, along with Austin Bridges and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions from spiritual seekers that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations, stemming from our own studies and life experiences, of course. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Researchers Weekly Podcast in the Now. And um, unfortunately, we don't have Lana with us this week, so we'll be a little bit (laughs) less interesting. (laughs) But um, are you on board, Jim and Austin? I am. I'm ready to go. All right. That makes three of us. So our first question comes from Erna via email. And actually, I didn't discuss this with you guys, but um, I'd like to uh, segregate the final paragraph and make that a a follow-up question that we tackle because it's big enough as it is. So uh, Erna writes, there is a concept in the raw material which I find confusing. When Carla almost followed the negative entity to negative time-space, she would have done so because she was deceived. She would have been a positive entity who was lured into negative time-space, and as a result, would have had to incarnate in negative time-space, and she would not have been able to stay positive in that environment. I've always thought of it as a large bucket of black paint into which one white paint droplet is added. Once you stir it, any evidence of the white paint droplet would be gone. I would like to res- reconcile this event and also this state of affairs with free will because clearly it wasn't her free will to land in such a place. Sometimes I think it has to do with love without wisdom because at the time of the contact, Carla's love was much greater than her wisdom. Ra also said that the positive polarity is gullible. Can it be that it was a possible, a possibly advanced lesson for an adept that has nothing I'm sorry, that has to do with adding wisdom to their love in order to be less likely deceived, to be deceived. And there is another paragraph with further commentary, um, which he elaborates more. Uh, This concept can also be seen in a lot of earthly scenarios where people keep bad company and as a result start becoming more and more like the company they keep. It's as if the majority vibration in the group becomes the vibration of each entity in the group, even the ones who initially may have developed more towards the opposite polarity. It's definitely something you can see in destructive cults, where good people are recruited with deception and then brainwashed. Again, I struggle to see free will at work here, but it might again be the, quote, balance between love and wisdom. Lessons which are mastered in higher densities, which make their first appearance in third density.
1: <clears throat>
0: I think in that second uh, or in that final portion, she was elaborating more on the um, implications or environment of negative time space. So we've got a lot to work with there. Thank you, Erna. Um, how about since I've got – have it on good word that Jim was there um, <laughs> when this stuff happened. How about we start with Jim.
2: Uh, well, what shall we start with first? Um, she says, can it be that it was a possible advanced lesson for an adept that has to do with adding wisdom to their love in order to be less likely to be deceived? I don't think it was planned as a lesson. I, there were so many things that happened to us during the raw contact that we didn't expect. In order to preserve our free will, uh, those of Ra did not give us a rundown of you know, what we're setting ourselves up for. We had to, as they said, wend our way through the various confusing uh, situations with our own um, discernment. And we wended a a lot. And this particular wending, I think it turned out to be a lesson, but I don't think it was planned to be a lesson. Um, As far as Carla... She did apparently come close uh, during the one Sunday night meditation when she was asked a question that concerned the raw contact. She said to herself, I wish I was channeling raw because I don't know anything about that question. And That was when the uh, leaving of her body was begun and uh, those of Latui was the uh, confederation entity channeling through her at that time. And Latui, according to raw, came perilously close to breaking the way of confusion by continuing to channel through her and make uh, the the bond between them continue, you know, to hold on to her by the channeling. Um, And, you know, I hadn't, as I've been going through the uh, 106 sessions these last few times this year, for one reason or another, uh, there were a couple of places before this actually occurred where Rob mentioned uh, a possibility of something like that, but we didn't really grok what they were talking about until it actually came about as a strong possibility. So, I don't know, maybe they were trying to give us a hint here and there. They they did that frequently, trying to give us hints as to what was going on. But uh, we just tried to figure out what to do. And the thing to do was, you know, to follow Ra's advice here. And that was to be uh, careful, uh, well, for Carla to be careful about not asking for Ra to speak at any other time during the Sunday night meditations or anywhere else unless she was in a situation of Don and I in a session and providing the protection. And then the other thing that uh, Ra suggested was that uh, I could hold her hand. And that would prevent the deeper levels of meditation that should necessarily precede trance. So there wouldn't be any chance of her leaving her body because I would be infringing upon her aura. And her aura would want to stay around and say, well, who's infringing on me? Uh, Something like that. Um, I don't think there's anything... uh, Can you guys think of anything else I can address there? I mean, I don't think there's any real easy answer to the question. I mean, it's just a lot of... uh, experiences we had to go through.
3: Yeah, it's a tough question, and I'm kind of in the same boat as Erna, I think, especially in her questions about free will and how exactly free will in a scenario like this is upheld. Um, It's really hard to say... what is going on when somebody explicitly doesn't want to, say, go to negative time space, but is somehow tricked into doing so. Don did kind of try to ask Ra about this in uh, session 69, question 17. And Ra did respond, saying, There are two important points in this regard. Firstly, we may note the situation wherein an entity gets a roadmap, which is poorly marked and, in fact, quite incorrect. The entity sets out to its destination. It wishes only to reach the point of destination, but, becoming confused by the faulty authority and not knowing the territory through which it drives, it becomes hopelessly lost. Free will does not mean that there will be no circumstances when calculations will be awry. This is so in all aspects of life experience. There are no mistakes, but there are surprises. So it's a tricky situation, but it seems to me uh, an important point that Ross said is faulty authority. And in doing something like the Raw Contact and Carla sort of releasing and surrendering and giving herself up to such a higher service, it could be seen as sort of um, naive in a sense, a necessary naivety that might allow her to then subscribe to a... Manipulative, faulty authority that would intentionally lead her awry, and it's not necessarily an infringement on free will because the end result will essentially be the same. It just is a much more uh, difficult path to get to that end result, in a sense. Um, but for this first part of Ernest's question about the free will, I just it, I don't think it's within my third density mind's capacity to fully grasp it. Do you have any? ideas gary yeah um i was
0: equally perplexed until i came across 68.11 and uh let me backtrack for a moment and say the situation that jim was describing is first broached in 68.5 and uh, it goes from there, over, spanning multiple sessions for anybody listening that wants to um, review the situation. So, uh, back to what I was saying. It wasn't until I came across 68.11 that I finally got some insight that I think might be helpful to Erna. And I will read 68.11. Um, Don asked, is the reason <clears> – <throat> uh, so, Don is investigating why this – Uh, happened, how it could happen. He even gets into the philosophy of it. He's having a really um, difficult time understanding it uh, naturally. And um, he wants to also prevent it, know what they can do to stop it. So anyway, 68.11, Don says, is the reason that this could be done, the fact that the wanderer's mind-body-spirit complex extracted in what we call the trance state, leaving the third density physical, In this state, the wanderer does not have the full capability or capability to magically defend itself. Is this correct? Ra replies, in the case of this instrument, this is correct. But they go on to say, this is also correct when applied almost without exception to those instruments working in trance which have not consciously experienced magical training in time-space in the, shall we say, present incarnation. The entities of your density capable of magical defense in this situation are extremely rare. So... I don't think it was so much – I don't think Carla's vulnerability was so much a matter of um, a deficiency in wisdom or or an overbalance in love. But rather, it was simply a lack of training and knowledge in magical defense while within the realm of time and space. Um, For instance – uh, take uh, Socrates. He strikes me as somebody who's probably profoundly wise, a uh, very, very wise being, but put him in a jujitsu realm, and that wisdom's probably not going to. Um, uh, do much to help him in other words Socrates would lack would simply lack the technical training necessary to um, deal with a an opponent using jujitsu on him had he simply had that training he would um, be able to defend himself likewise with Carla had she had the training in magical defense then she would not have been nearly as vulnerable and could not have been led away to time space um Carla was definitely interested in protecting herself. Um, She had enough wisdom to know that. Uh, I think, however, that there is a love-wisdom balance that plays a part and it's most evident and pertinent in terms of Carla's readiness to martyr herself to serve, especially to serve Don. Um, She, as is... Uh, was well-established, she would spend her energy reserves without regard for potential undesirable or even fatal consequences for herself. Um, However, the love-wisdom balance uh, does seem – I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted. The love-wisdom balance does seem to have a connection to the negative time-space scenario in that upon learning of that consequence – about what could happen to her while she was in trance, Carla had to choose whether or not to persevere in the effort to serve as the instrument. And she did um, persevere. In fact, when uh, asked about it in a long interview project last year, uh, Carla was asked, did this cause you to reassess whether the reward warranted the risk? And without hesitation, Carla said, heavens no, followed by an exclamation mark, Uh, meaning she didn't hesitate. Um, Even upon learning that her very soul, essentially, could be stolen away, she uh, said, I'm going to continue doing this. And uh, love and wisdom surely come into play in that decision. Uh, I will add, though, that if the word heroism means anything, then surely it applies to this situation. In fact, I don't think... I think higher heroism would be uh, impossible to achieve on this planet. Um, there are many examples, countless examples, um, in our everyday lives and throughout history of, of people who play the part of the hero, who sacrifice themselves for others, or d- who do something bold and daring. Um, parents are often heroes for their children. Uh, and however, though, the earth reality, our our space time existence doesn't offer the possibility of, um, sacrificing your soul, no matter what happens to your body, no matter what happens to your incarnation, even a lifetime sprint, um, in prison, because you stood up for ideals, isn't, uh, upon cessation of the incarnation, you're still in your, uh, same soul stream. You're still in third uh, density space time and on the polarity you were choosing, In this case, Carla risked her her very heart, um, everything she was, to do this. So uh, I think that's helpful to acknowledge in the reply. Um, Do you guys have any further thoughts?
2: Uh, Yeah, I had a couple. Um, So she didn't have the training. If she had had the training, it wouldn't have been that big of a problem. So the question that would come to mind would be, well, why didn't she have the training? And that was because we didn't know that, you know, such a thing was necessary. Why why did Ra choose uh, this group to speak through when they knew that Carla didn't have the training? And I think the reason they did, they mentioned there were two things that caused them to be able to speak through our group. And one is what you were just talking about, Gary, is uh, the purity of Carla's seeking. Since she was two years old and had the experience with Jesus in her magic kingdom, She wanted to do nothing more than to serve Jesus and the rest of the creation the way he would want her to. That was with a whole heart. So she was a very pure in her seeking. And the other item that allowed Ra to contact us was that we had a a great deal of harmony between us that we uh, really cherished and really didn't have to work at. I think that we had been together quite a few times before and had this as a gift to bring with us into the incarnation. So those two factors were what allowed Ra to speak through us. And I think that you they very well knew that there was going to be a chance that this could occur because uh, they mentioned there had been one other occurrence previously on this planet where an entity had been so infringed upon and been uh, lured away into negative time space. So it had happened before. The question that we never asked and which never really came to me until uh, years later, I mean just these last few years, is uh, why her silver cord could not have been followed back to her body. Because Ra mentioned that it was necessary for Don to call her name uh, a few times quietly before she was able to come back. And that if, well, when we drop this um, little microphone on her chest once, and that's just a little just, you know, tap there. Uh, that causes the silver cord reflex to want to call the spirit back into the body. Uh, very quickly, uh, Ra said, like the rubber band snapping hard against the anchored object. So I'm wondering why the silver cord couldn't be followed back or if there is some point at which it you know, breaks. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, if distance has a, a, fa- a re- relationship to it or what? So those are my other comments. Uh, Austin, how about you? You got anything else to say?
3: Uh, yeah, just a couple thoughts. I think in this discussion about the free will involved in all of this, it comes up to the same scenario that I think we've addressed a few times throughout the history of the show. In what exactly is free will and this idea that some people might have that free will is sort of a complete control over our outer circumstances where we desire something and we state it to the universe and then the universe through this law of free will is then obligated to deliver it to us, whether that is avoiding certain circumstances or fulfilling certain circumstances. Um, I think that just existing within our reality, we're shown very clearly that this isn't the case. Plenty of things happen to us that we as individuals don't want to happen to us. But uh, I don't think that's necessarily what free will is, and especially in this scenario. I think free will is um, a bit deeper in that we have an internal sovereignty where we always have a ability to react to those circumstances. We don't have control over the circumstances, but we have our own individual right to react to circumstances in the way that we feel is appropriate and how we desire to react. And I think that is the same in this case in that Carla may not have desired or any entity may not desire to be put in this circumstance where they are placed into negative time space but um, she is still Carla. She still has Will as Carla and even though the space she's put into has limitations that will sort of require her to uh, act in a certain way, she still has an infinite range within that limitation to act in certain ways. Um, And that's the best I can really address that. Then a little bit more about Erna's second Um, paragraph there about uh, it being more difficult to polarize uh, within a group that is maybe negatively polarized or positively polarized and um, Gary you talked about being put into prison. Uh, It made me think about a situation that I see when we interact with prisoners through our prison ministry program or um, talking to my girlfriend who worked with prisoners for a long time doing dog training and it struck me how incredibly uh, self service oriented prison system seem to be for prisoners and the circumstances that prisoners get put in almost seem to force them into a um, service to self hierarchy and a service to self uh, Functioning in order to just survive within that environment, and I think that maybe that has something to do with this um, quandary here in that uh, if somebody's put into prison, there is a lack of resources, whether it's physical resources like protection or even food or shelter or just spiritual resources, that uh, that sort of forces them into their lower functionings, what Maslow called the hierarchy of needs, the basic survival functionings. And I think that those functionings are what service-to-self individuals, the adepts and the polarizing individuals, it's those functionings that they sort of take advantage of. They're the lower three energy centers, and it is those energy centers that the... uh, service-self individual polarizes through. And so it's possible to polarize strongly in those scenarios where there is a lack and that lack can be used to control and to have a sort of um, control over your environment. Uh, And I think that is probably how this happens in some scenarios in that it is uh, really hard to break through to the higher needs uh, that Maslow would call the higher needs, which would be the spiritual needs, the heart center, and everything like that. Um, it's hard to do that in a scenario where you're constantly confronted with a situation of lacking your basic needs. I think that's all the comment for the first part of the question I would have. I think that's a r- um, really decent
0: real world translation of entering negative time space not equivalence of course but certainly parallels that um, the one situation here on earth can shed light into the negative time space situation Uh, i really as well liked erna's um, analogy of dropping the white paint into a drop of white paint into the bucket of black paint that white paint will just be absorbed and disappear uh, a rod describes too when don is asking about harvests mixed how many uh mixed harvest positive negative and Ra says that once a certain i forget Ra's exact words here but once a certain um critical mass essentially is reached that chooses the negative polarity then the whole planet goes negative um there's no longer the possibility of a mixed harvest so um there's something in the physics of it and i think there's um something in the situation as uh austin described it once the environment is strongly um, made or constructed a certain way then uh entities are kind of um at the mercy of that environment And uh, uh, I wanted to add also that uh, Jim was reflected saying that – why asking the question, why didn't Carla have that magical training? And replied saying that they weren't aware (laughs) that they needed it. That was the essence of your first reply, Jim, wasn't it? That you didn't know that you needed that magical training. Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Don, afterward – uh, in the course of session 68, when he's examining the situation uh, with Ra, asks exactly th- or how we get Carla that magical training. And um, he actually prefaces it by saying, it would seem to me that since I can't imagine anything worse, shall I say, than this particular result, other than possibly the total disintegration of the mind-body-spirit complex due to nuclear bomb, <laughs> um, which I don't think is as far off, actually. It's, it's a horrific outcome so far as I'm concerned. So Don asks, how uh, can Carla get this training? And Robert replies, uh, this request lies beyond the first distortion. The entity seeking magical ability must do so in a certain manner. We may give instructions of a general nature. This we have already done. The instrument has begun the process of balancing the self. This is a lengthy process. Uh, To take an entity before it is ready and offer it the scepter of magical power is to infringe in an unbalanced manner. We may suggest with some hesperity that the instrument never call upon Ra. Uh, Jim was already discussing that part. Uh, But it seems um, that sort of magical training is very... uh, Intensive, And um, there wasn't an, exactly a Magical Training 101 manual for this situation either. <laughs> so as Jim was saying, it was the group's harmony. It was their love. It was Carla's purity of dedication um, that protected the instrument. <clears throat> and I think that exhausts uh, my thoughts. Any more from you guys?
2: Nope.
3: Nope.
0: Hmm. The third paragraph I don't really have a reply to. Do you guys have anything to offer that? Yeah, you do? Okay, then I will read it. So um, the final part of Ernest's Thought is, Can I then also reasonably apply this concept to Earth at present, which is going to have a mixed harvest? When you come here, you take on the mass vibration, which is mixed, and therefore you struggle to polarize either positively or negatively, for both polarities are at play here which is why we switch between the two constantly. One moment we do something to help someone with complete disregard for any inconvenience to ourselves, and the next moment we do something selfish again with disregard for someone else's welfare. Earth's paint bucket
3: would be gray. (laughs) Austin, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting to extrapolate from everything we just discussed what Erna is saying and that this is why Earth seems so confused. But I think that this sort of mechanic is more applicable in the configuration of the negative environment kind of uh, requiring negative polarization rather than the other way around. Um, You were touching on this question and answer earlier, Gary, I think. Uh, it's in session 65, question 13, Ra talks about the majority, when the majority of polarization is towards the negative, then there's almost no opportunity for the positive polarization. Uh, but it doesn't seem like the opposite is true, as Ra said in the same question, that where there is a mixed harvest, the majority of that mixed harvest is positive, uh, or, They say that this is basically the case for Earth. And despite the fact that the Earth may seem to be negative in so many ways, a lot of this negativity is probably the result of confusion. It is sort of more apparent negativity than real polarizing negativity. I think that if we observe 100 events and 99 of them are completely positive and one of them are negative, is negative, then it's the negative event that will probably stand out to us. And I think any person who opens themselves up to public feedback knows this is very true. You can receive as many positive comments as possible, but that one nasty negative comment will probably be what you think about when you go to sleep at night. (laughs) So uh, perhaps given this information, this confusion on Earth that Ernest is talking about uh, has other sources as well and might have another uh, aspect at play. And Ra talks about this in session 10, question 6, where they say, There are entities experiencing your time-space continuum who have originated from many, many places, as you would call them, in the creation. For when there is a cycle change, those who must repeat then find a planetary sphere appropriate for this repetition. It is somewhat unusual for a planetary mind-body-spirit complex to contain those from many, many various loci, or uh, locations, I guess. Uh, But this explains much for you, see. You are experiencing the third-dimensional occurrence with a large number of those who must repeat the cycle. The orientation, thus, has been difficult to unify, even with the aid of many of your teach-slash-learners. I would like to make a point about Ernest's speculation and what she sees as possible difficulty. In my opinion, many seekers, especially those who are drawn to the Law of One and other spiritual texts which speak of love, service, and unity, are probably already very solidly on the positive path. I think there's a downside to the idea of polarity and harvest that I witness in readers of The Law of One, and that is a type of anxiety created by those of us on the positive path to hold ourselves to very high standards. Not to say that Arna specifically is doing this, uh, maybe she is based on these questions, I don't know, but many people who may... uh Who are reading this material may become very anxious about how well they might be doing in a metaphysical sense, uh, and they worry themselves sick that they might not quote-unquote make harvest, and they might worry over uh, little things that they do throughout the day that aren't reflective of their chosen polarity. Um, I think the fact that these things are even noticed and brought forward to our consciousness is a huge sign that we're headed in the right direction. People operating from an unaware or unpolarized viewpoint are not going to dwell on those self-serving actions as opposed to the positive actions. It's just another day for them and their catalyst is sort of missing its mark, so to say. If we become acutely aware of the ways in which we act that are not indicative of our positive path, then the catalyst is doing a good job at grabbing our attention. I think that if this is happening, we've already done a lot of the groundwork and have a solid base for polarization. Um, I think at the point that we're confronted with catalysts where we feel we've not lived up to our standards, it's a matter of how we use that catalyst from that point. And the first thing we have to do is accept ourselves and our actions. We can accept who we are and what we did while the same, at the same time gently pushing ourselves to do better, uh, to fulfill the potential that we know that we have. And uh, I would wrap up this response, which is kind of a tangent, just kind of loosely based on what Ernest said. But it's one of my favorite quotes from Ra when Carla was uh, as getting Don to ask about when she was worried about working on her human distortions in uh, session 94, question 9. Ra responded, oh, we comment in general first upon the query about the contact, which indicates once again that the instrument views the mind-body-spirit complex with a jaundiced eye. Each mind-body-spirit complex that is seeking shall almost certainly have the immature and irrational behaviors. It is, almost al- it is also the case that this entity, as well as almost all seekers, has done substantial work within the framework of the incarnative experience and has indeed developed maturity and rationality that this instrument should fail to see that which has been accomplished and see only that which remains to be accomplished may well be noted. Indeed, any seeker discovering in itself this complex of mental and mental slash emotional distortions shall ponder the possible non-efficacy of judgment. And I just saw a little bit of that, possibly Arna's last paragraph there about swaying between the two polarities and possibly wondering, uh, if the difficulty of this place is causing her to be unpolarized maybe. So I uh, thought that was applicable there. Thank you, Arson. Uh, Jim, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, Earth is made up of a population of, uh, I think Ross said there were 16 different sources of planets that had gone through their 75,000 year cycle and these entities had not been able to make the harvest. And one of the things that Rob mentioned about that quality is that once you've not made the harvest, and you're not using the catalyst to polarize positively, it becomes harder and harder to do that. So uh, the the outlook isn't really great for planet Earth because we've already got a, a planet full of repeaters who are likely going to repeat again. And um, Ra also mentioned, though, that if you did begin to make, or any time you tried to be a positively polarizing person, that that was an act of... Um, Focusing the will in such a way that, that begins the, the doubling effect. That your first desire and action towards polarizing positively is the foundation stone. It is not counted. But after that, every act after that doubles the one before it. So it is possible to pick up again and get going. But it's just breaking that momentum of not having made the choice that seems to be the problem with the planet. And that's why I guess our paint is gray.
0: The, yeah. The sink 11 difference is what I called it. Yeah. Austin was describing how um, you could receive 10, 100 compliments in a day, and you receive one very critical remark, and that's probably the one you're going to think about when you go to sleep. Um, And 94.20, Ra is... Kind of describing that situation. It's apparently that sort of dynamic is apparently um symbolized um or built into the archetypal mind, or at least symbolized in the tarot. Uh Ra says the figure um I forget what arcana number this is but the figure is expressing the nature of experience by having its attention caught by what may be termed the left hand catalyst meanwhile the power the magic is available upon the right hand the nature of experience is such that the attention shall be constantly given varieties of experience those that are presumed to be negative or interpreted as negative may seem in abundance It is a great challenge to take catalysts and devise the magical positive experience. That which is magical, we'll skip that final sentence. So I wanted to contribute that and I also wanted to um, add that Erna mentioned how, said when you come here, you take on the mass vibration, which is mixed. I was thinking on this topic recently and um, trying to come up with a good analogy. I had this... Uh, sense that um, nobody is born here pure or nobody could could be born here pure you could you can certainly achieve so to speak a purity by purifying yourself and going through the disciplines of the personality often over multiple incarnations but nobody can come here uh, pure and then just be born and stay pure because so far as i'm aware at least maybe it's possible But I likened it to having – being born with – I likened it actually rather to – if you've ever seen – in the United States, I don't know if they have them elsewhere, but they have something called Color Runs. And you – it's a race with a bunch of people and you start out with white clothes and um, as you race, there are – I've never done one. (laughs) There are people with paint guns or paint buckets or – colors and they throw those colors all over you so that by the end of the race everybody is a variety of um color there's no longer any white on their shirt there's no uh, even their faces and their hair everybody's colored and that it was the surely there's a better analogy but that's the best i could come up with um to describe the situation of being born on this planet we necessarily take on not all but certain aspects of the the social or the the, the cultural climate <clears throat> and um, the paradigm and the cultural biases and so forth and uh, part of spiritual awakening is realizing that this is just a vestment, this is just an outer clothing, and it 's not in fact who we are though we 've internalized um, society 's ideas and Uh, voices from other people and thought that and made them our own and thought that that's who we were but um in in spiritual awakening we liberate our our consciousness from that outer vestment Mm, not destroying it or repressing it but uh seeing through it and recognizing the light uh within that is eternal
3: so do you guys have any further thoughts on Erna's questions not i yeah, just a little expansion on what you were just saying. We have our individual minds that we can work on, but those individual minds are obviously and necessarily influenced by a group mind. Like We uh, have really no choice but to take on this group mind by being born here. Um, in order for us to just survive in our culture, we're going to have to adapt and adopt those cultural values Uh, otherwise we will sort of just be cast out and we won't be able to do any real work. And so um, I do think that Erna makes a good point and that coming here we do have to adopt the confusion in a sense, but I think even at the moment of being aware that there is confusion is a pretty big, uh, maybe that is the cornerstone that Jim was talking about. It's the base from which we work on It is that first step in positive polarity.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And learning to navigate confusion is um, an essential quality in spiritual seeking. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily solve confusion, but be okay with being confused and taking the leap nevertheless into midair and trusting that all is well, no matter how confused you seem to be. (laughs) That takes us, we had a lot to say this show. Uh, That takes (laughs) us to 40 minutes. So I think
2: this is a good place to wrap up. Jim, do you have any thoughts for our, our listeners? Let's see. I think we're going to take a little break here over the holidays, aren't we? We'll be back again the first week in January. Let's see. It's kind of,
3: um, yeah, it'll the actual podcast will probably be published in the second week of January. Oh, yeah. Yeah, January
2: 15th. Yeah, January 5th will be the next time we record. Okay, so everybody's going to have a Christmas and a New Year's before we see you and, and you hear us again. So I want to tell you all that we love you very much, each and every one of you, and we hope you have a very Merry Christmas full of love and a very Happy New Year full of light. Blessings to each.
0: You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question for... Before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the Archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful couple of weeks and a Christmas and a New Year's, and we'll talk with you next year.